The media misinformation machine goes into overdrive after Kyle Rittenhouse is declared not guilty. The FDA wants to wait 55 years before fully releasing Pfizer vaccine data. Hundreds of thousands protested worldwide against COVID mandates. And let's delve into the latest revelations between, yet again, Hunter Biden and China. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Sunday. Now, I had to give you guys an extra episode because, well, one, it's Thanksgiving this week, so we're not going to have our regular episodes. And two, so much news broke this past weekend. Last Friday, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty of all charges. We also had huge protests worldwide, like I just said pushing back against COVID mandates and second lockdowns. And there's just been a lot going on, especially with China and Russia, that I really haven't seen a lot of people delving into. They continue to grow stronger by the day as America weakens. I'm sure you guys saw that uh, last Friday for a period of time. Joe Biden transferred over power of the presidency to Kamala Harris for a brief period while he was getting a colonoscopy. Very interesting and uh Sad to say that the first woman president, that power was granted because of Joe Biden's ass. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you like the show, please remember to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Pod, Podbean, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. I ask you guys for I asked you guys for over 200 reviews before the end of the month, and you guys exceeded that. So thank you so much. I am so appreciative of that. Uh, you know, if you'd like to support me, if you'd like to support the show, you can always like and share on YouTube or just leave that five-star review. I read every single one and appreciate all of them. So let's go ahead and do a quick update on Kyle Rittenhouse. We all know the verdict already. We all know that he has since been acquitted of all of these ridiculous charges. And I've been saying since day one that this was an open shut case of self-defense. Now, we've already seen this clip, but I'm going to play it again because it is so powerful. And for my podcast listeners, if you haven't seen this clip already, I'd highly encourage you to go to Sav Says on YouTube and watch the video portion of this show. Um, this is Kyle Rittenhouse when he was hearing that he was not guilty in regards to those uh, those charges. The defendant will rise and face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Members of the jury. Okay, so when I first watched this clip, I almost started crying myself because you can see the huge weight that is lifted off of this young 17-year-old kid's shoulders after having to go through this ridiculous trial for the audacity of acting out in self-defense. Now, I was in Chicago this past weekend. There was a Black Lives Matter in Antifa protest against Rittenhouse, against the verdict. They were all saying that he benefited off of white supremacy, off of white privilege, and that if a black person had done this, the case would have gone very, very differently. Now, I was listening to a lot of the conversations that were being had because people were interested and they were like, oh, what are you guys protesting for? 
and these Antifa members and these Black Lives Matter members that are holding up Kyle Rittenhouse's guilty signs are trying to, you know, encourage people to come into the protests and uh, people on the side of the street are like, okay, well, uh, what happened with this case? Why are you guys upset? The protesters themselves don't even know the basic facts of this case. This is surprising to nobody. And the average American thinks that Jacob Blake, the person they were riding over that night in Kenosha, is dead. Many don't know that he's even still alive and has asked people not to riot in his name. On top of that, many people do not know the criminal histories or pasts of the people that they're defending. I was disgusted in Chicago when I walked up to this protest and it was Anthony Huber, the repeated domestic offender, domestic abuser, if you will, and Joseph Rosenbaum, who is a child sex predator, a pedophile. They were holding up signs of these two men's faces saying that they were heroes. They were fighting for racial injustice and they didn't deserve to die. Now, it wasn't just people on the ground that were being this crazy. We also had CNN coming out with this whopper of an article. There's nothing more frightening in America today than an angry white man. They say that white male anger could prove to be one of the biggest roadblocks we face in building a successful multiracial democracy. So immediately they tried to turn this into a white versus black issue. I don't know how in a case where a white boy or a white man shot three other white men, it can be equated to Black Lives Matter and racism. But here we are. We're living in complete insanity, as you all know. So that's what CNN had to say. Joe Biden immediately came out and said that he was angry and concerned with the Rittenhouse verdict. And of course, he had to urge peaceful protest, angry and concerned about the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse was able to lawfully exercise his right to self-defense. Are you freaking kidding me? That's who's running our country right now. Also, Kamala Harris had a response. This is what she had to say. What a joke. As many of you know, I've spent a majority of my career working to make the criminal justice system more equitable, and clearly there's a lot more work to do. Thanks. Yeah, remember when Kamala Harris was a part of the justice system? She was putting a bunch of black men, if you will, in jail for small and petty crimes like having weed. That was Kamala Harris when she was a part of the justice system. Not a good person. Remember when she was campaigning and running for president, everyone was like, Kamala's a cop, Kamala's a cop. Yeah, go look it back at her history serving, you know, in that area, that time during her uh, political career. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the president and vice president of this country, we're not the only people who had something disparaging to say about Rittenhouse or the verdict. We also, of course, on top of the media and the top politicians in our country, had the celebrities who had to come out and uh, give their two cents as well, like Mark Ruffalo, who said, we come together to mourn the lives lost, the same racist system that devalues Black lives and devalue the lives of Anthony and JoJo. Hashtag reimagine Kenosha. Now, the fact that they're calling them Anthony and JoJo is hilarious to me. And Jojo, who is Joseph Rosenbaum, the pedophile who raped, I believe it was five young boys under the age of 12, 
That's who these people are advocating for. And when I was in Chicago, the Black Lives Matter protesters were chanting this exact same thing. Anthony and Jojo, blah, blah, blah. They're heroes. Oh my gosh. They were such good people. They were fighting for racial injustice and they're modern day heroes. And that's who the left is going to prop up. And I'm glad in that. I'm glad that we're able to see the two divisions and the two factions of America, because we are currently divided right now. You have one side of America who believes in the rule of law, who actually watched this trial, understood the verdict, appreciated the verdict because they understood that it wasn't just about Rittenhouse. It was also the verdict for their future right to self-defense and their second amendment rights. So you have that half of America. And then you have the other half of America who is openly promoting criminality, pedophilia, violence, burning down of of cities, neighborhoods, states, whatever. It doesn't matter. They want a society filled with disgusting pedophiles and that cannot stand. So those are the two different types of America. Mark Ruffalo is in the disgusting pro-pedophilia side, as is Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. We already all knew that, though. Mark Ruffalo, uh, he has ties to... Um, Hollywood, let's just say, okay? Anyone in Hollywood can't be trusted. So obviously we're not surprised that this guy's protecting and uplifting a pedophile. And then also it's Kamala and Joe. There was a video of Joe Biden that recently came out where he's trying to go and he's like trying to, I don't know, he's harassing this little girl. She probably like five, four years old, maybe six. And she just like karate chops him away because she's like, no, that's a bad vibe. I can tell you're a creepy old man. Please get away with, from me. So that's how, some of our biggest celebrities responded to this. And again, the media had to swoop in and say that if Kyle Rittenhouse was black, the verdict would have been very, very different. I'm going to link this entire thread down below on this video after I'm finished here because you guys should all see it. It's from at Amy Swearer on Twitter, and she created this extremely long thread of every black person who has gotten off on either self-defense or has just been released on or, you know, had their charges dismissed despite being involved in a violent crime, starting off with Timothy Simpkins, an 18-year-old who shot three people with an illegally possessed gun at a Texas high school. He was out. He's out on bond right now, claiming that he shot in self-defense. Or we have Dolores White, who stabbed her daughter's boyfriend to death, acquitted on the theory of self-defense. Trey Adams stabbed a high school's classmate to death acquitted for you guessed it acting in self-defense and then it goes on and on and on until we get all the way down to on the same day that Rittenhouse was acquitted for self-defense you had Andrew Coffey the fourth who got the same exact verdict now, apparently this situation sounded very similar to Breonna Taylor, where he was involved in illicit activity. So the police came in, no knock warrant type thing. He started shooting. The police say that they warned them. He says that the, the police didn't, you know, say anything, didn't warn them at all. So he shot back. And now he has been since found guilty, not guilty on all counts. So this is what the media will not show you while continuing to prop up and trying to incite yet another race war in this country. Just like they did last year, they were propping up Black Lives Matter. They were propping up Antifa. They were trying to make it okay to burn, loot, and riot based off of their false information, off of their false narrative. And a lot of the time, too, we talk about, okay, well, we say that words aren't violence and that, you know, you, we are First Amendment absolutists on this show here in this community. So how do we feel when the media 
comes forth and says things like this. Well, for example, when Alex Jones questioned questions things because a lot of people are like, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. He's incited violence against people, blah, blah, blah. There's a stark difference between somebody in the media questioning something and then MSNBC, CNN, the full force of the mainstream reporting Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist as a factual thing. And then repeating that over and over and over again and facing absolutely no consequence. There's also a difference when the same media was the one propping up and promoting the Black Lives Matter riots and making sure that they provided enough fuel to keep those race riots going all summer last year. Now, remember what happened in Kenosha, because the left is going to try to say that it was just Black Lives Matter peacefully protesting for racial justice. No, that's not what it was. It was a violent riot. Things were on fire. Entire car lots were burned down. If you go back and look at the footage, the frames of the vehicles in those car lots, steel frames were melted down because that is how hard these fires were raging that were set by these arsonists, looters, and rioters. These criminals that are being propped up by the left right now. Jack Posobiec puts this out. Remember it all from the New York Post last year in August of 2020, the night of Kenosha, elderly man defending store during Kenosha riots has jaw broken. And I remember this video. It was heartbreaking to watch because this is an elderly man. He has a fire extinguisher. He's like, please get away from my store. He's trying to push back these criminals that should be in jail, should not have been running free to go burn down our entire country. He had his jaw broken and he was violently attacked. And there are so many different videos of that. I've even witnessed this for myself in person. The violent attacks that Black Lives Matter and Antifa will enact on the American public for the audacity of wearing a Trump hat or even being at a riot and trying to protect their store. That's why Black Lives Matter loves saying, no property is worth more than a human life. It's BS, and that's just their excuse, and that's just the way that they manipulate people's thinking into you know, making it okay that they're burning down entire people's livelihoods. That's why I respect the rooftop Koreans, and we need to bring them back because you know, back during the Rodney King riots, the rooftop Koreans were like, yeah, no, I don't give a damn what you think about property, and if you think that you should be allowed to burn things down because the media told you some misinformation and you're so willfully ignorant that you just want to loot and riot for no reason and you're going to come and burn down my whole entire life, no, absolutely not. Rooftop Koreans, what should have happened in Kenosha? The reason Kyle Rittenhouse was there to begin with was because we lack real men in this country who are willing to stand up for their cities when they get burned down, which is why Black Lives Matter looted and rioted for so long last year. But we also have, again, like I said, the media who has been complicit in that, in continuing these lies, continuing to push this false narrative, and in continuing to cite a race war based on illogical things based on things that they're just making up out of nowhere and continue to repeat and repeat and repeat because we all know that if you continue to repeat a lie long enough, it eventually becomes the truth. Let's watch this video of the current news coverage of this verdict right now. August 24th, Rittenhouse went up to the Kenosha area for his job as a lifeguard. Rittenhouse crossed eight lines into a community that was not his. My grandmother, my aunt, my uncle and cousins all live in the city of Kenosha. You know, you've got this young white kid defending the community um, that he's not even from. What's your father's name? Michael Rittenhouse. He lived in Kenosha. Good evening from New York, I'm Chris Hayes. Kyle Rittenhouse was just 17 years old. 
when he drove across state lines to Kenosha, Wisconsin. The teenager drove from his home in Illinois. Approximately one mile to Wisconsin. Across state lines, driving across state borders. He's driving across state lines. Across the state line, across state lines. Okay, so this compilation goes on for a while, and it basically just goes, he crossed state lines, he crossed state lines, blah, 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 blah. The media reading off of their teleprompters, all probably reading the same exact script. We all know these people are idiots who just sit there in front of a screen and go, Kyle Rittenhouse, who crossed state lines and killed three innocent protesters who were fighting for racial justice. The murderer white supremacist who has been led off by a judge who is also a white supremacist because in this white supremacist country there's white supremacy that's essentially the mainstream media every single day it's absolutely ridiculous fun fact as well judge schroeder on this case registered democrat didn't know that did ya yeah very interesting isn't it and despite being a registered democrat he was still able to uphold the constitution the rule of law and the jury came to the correct verdict because they actually got to see the evidence of this case and the judge refused to allow the mob to rule and to uh, to uh, dictate the verdict outside of the jury. So uh, before we get off of Rittenhouse, let's just go ahead and dispel all of the lies you guys are going to be hearing about this case very quickly here, uh, starting off with he crossed those state lines. Now, he lived 25 minutes away and his weapon didn't cross state lines. Also, remember that his father, cousins and grandmother, I believe as well, also lived in Kenosha. Another lie. He was an active shooter. Nope. He only shot when he was being attacked. He was illegally carrying a weapon. Well, the law only applied to short bearer weapons, so his weapon was actually legal in Kenosha. People like to say as well, he was only there to murder protesters. He was actually there that night cleaning graffiti off of the walls, extinguishing fire, and offering medical aid even to the Antifa members that were trying to attack him. He killed innocent protesters. Well, he actually killed a pedophile, a domestic abuser, and injured a felon who was illegally carrying a gun that night. That's Gage Grosskreutz. He fled the crime scene. He actually cooperated with police and peacefully turned himself in. And he was also, you know, getting chased down by a mob. And the entire time he was getting chased down, he was trying, he was yelling, I'm friendly, I'm friendly, I'm friendly. Please, like, I'm not here to incite violence. I'm just here to help the community. As soon as he shot, he immediately turned himself into police with his hands up. You can see all of that footage. And then finally he had no right to be there and of course we love to respond with and the rioters did why was kyle rittenhouse there because criminals were burning down his community he had every right to be there he was there to defend his community when nobody else will and nobody else would because we severely lack real men in this country who will stand up and push back because everyone here thinks that the police are the ones that need to be taking care of that while simultaneously watching those same police allow all of this rioting and destruction to happen. Do you think that within a month of these riots happening nationwide, if American citizens took up arms and said, okay, we're going to take things into our own hands and we're going to take our cities back, make sure that they're protected and safe. Do you think that the response would have been a lot different than what happened last year. Yeah, it would have. The police would have been like, okay, this can't stand. We can't have American citizens uh, defending their own property and defending their own lives. Uh, we're going to actually come in and do our jobs because that's typically what happens in these situations. So I think that Kyle Rittenhouse should have been there. I'm glad that he was that night. And 
we will see what happens with this young man's future. But obviously, every American man should take a page out of his book and understand what it looks like to actually protect your friends and family and your country. Because for some reason in this country, we all think that the police are going to take care of it, that someone else is going to take care of it. And that's why we've gotten to where we've gotten to today, because we're con continuously waiting on somebody else to take care of these issues for us. Nobody wants to be the one who actually stands up, who actually puts their life on the line, who actually puts their career on the line. We're seeing that more and more now with the mandates and everything going on. But understand that where we are currently at in history, you have to be the person that stands up because nobody is going to come to save you, not the government, not the police, not the military. You are the only one that's going to save you. And the reason why I push back so much against the government as well, and I want people to transcend past this mentality that they have to be uh, subservient to the government, that they have to be submissive to authority. I've been thinking about this, and one of the most detrimental things that we are taught as children is to be submissive to authority. I don't think that we should be taught that at all. I think it should be the exact opposite, actually. Now, I think that you should learn to be submissive and obedient to your parents and to people that are leading you when you are a child. But this blanket subservience to any authority figure is what has led us to this period in history where we now have American citizens who are told to wear a face mask by some fat guy in a restaurant for their health. And then they willingly just do it because, well, the government told him to tell me to do it. And I'm not going to question it because this guy's an authority figure. Now, traveling this past weekend, absolutely ridiculous. We walk into a restaurant in Chicago. Uh, can you put your mask on? It took everything in me not to go. So you want me to put my mask on so that I can walk 10 feet, go sit down and take my mask off? Absolutely not. You're ridiculous. You don't adhere to real science and you can shove your face mask up your ass. Took me everything in my heart and soul not to do that. I am a child of God though. And it was a Sunday, so I decided not to. But I want us to understand how we've gotten to where we have in society. It's because people are unwilling to push back against authority because people will see Cory Booker or Nancy Pelosi or Beto O'Rourke or even Joe Biden on the street. And they're too scared to go up to that person and yell at them and say, hey, you work for me and I have some questions that I want answered about why my country is the way that it is. People are scared to approach these politicians because they view them as, a th as an authority figure. But in reality, the politicians work for us. Or maybe it's because we have unhinged people in politics that are weaponizing our intelligence agencies against us, like the DOJ. Representative Jerry Nadler said this heartbreaking verdict in response to Rittenhouse verdict is a miscarriage of justice and sets a dangerous precedent which justifies federal review by the DOJ. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines, that's a lie right there, looking for trouble, another lie, while people engage in First Amendment protected protests. Now, last time I checked, Jerry Nadler, uh, Burning down buildings and properties and threatening to murder people and going and destroying an entire community wasn't First Amendment protected protest. On top of that, we're seeing again that reiteration of that line that he crossed state lines when in reality he took a short, I think, what, like 20 to 30 minute trip from Illinois to Wisconsin because his family lived in that community and he worked there. And also, Boy wasn't looking for trouble. He was there to defend his community. The rioters and looters who were there were the ones really looking for trouble because they were hoping that nobody was going to push back and they didn't expect that somebody actually would. Again, remember that Jerry Nadler is a House Judiciary Chair 
calling for the Department of Justice to review the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict as a miscarriage of justice, a chairman on the House Judiciary Committee. And just so we're all aware of what the House Judiciary Committee is and what it's supposed to do, uh, apparently the committee is at the forefront of some of the most significant issues facing our nation, including protecting constitutional freedoms and civil liberties, oversight of the U.S. Department of Justice and Homeland Security, legal and regulatory reform, innovation, competition, and antitrust laws and terrorism and blah, 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 blah. So basically what you're telling me is that Jerry Nadler is abusing his position on the House Judiciary Committee, abusing his position and power with the DOJ and the FBI and all of these other intelligence agencies and weaponizing them against the law-abiding American citizen who still adhere to the law amidst being threatened by a, a mob of what I could only describe as the militia wing of the Democrat Party. That's right, Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters. That is why many people nowadays feel afraid to push back against their government because we saw what happened to the January 6th protesters who actually were peaceful. The majority of them, extremely peaceful. I was there in the crowd. I watched what happened that day. I lived that out in real time. The majority of those people were very peaceful and they are now being treated like political prisoners because they are political prisoners and they're being persecuted by a corrupt system right now. So I understand why people don't want to push back against the government. But again, until we adopt the mentality that the power lies in the people and we need to push back against this corrupt system, we will continue to live in this vortex of insanity. Now, we're also seeing headlines like this come out from the New York Post. Survey says more than half of NYPD wishes they never joined the force. Um, more than half of NYPD cops wish they never joined the force in the first place. According to a damning internal department survey of 6,000 uniformed officers obtained by the Post, the survey is a sobering snapshot of how the finest feel in an era of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter riots, the defund the police movement, bail reform laws that keep violent offenders out of jail, and legislative measures that put the burden of liability on officers while emboldening Criminals. Yes, that is the exact world and the, again, controlled chaos, the controlled demolition of America that Democrats and all of these various other sources have in store for us. This is what the result of that is. Less people even wanting to join these police forces. And also we're seeing stories like this one come out, too, because this is all related. From CBS Denver, Denver State Board drops sex offender term, calling it a negative label. Now, how are these two stories tied together? Well, let's take a peek at, again, what happened in Kenosha. You had rioters and looters go out and burn down an entire community in the name of racial justice. Lie. And then you had the media propping it all up and inciting those race wars, inciting all of that violence, which in turn makes police not want to do their jobs. Because what happens if a police officer a arrests a black man for any reason at all or even approaches him and talks to him in the wrong tone, someone's going to take a video of it, get that that man fired or ruin that police officer's life. So no one wants to be on the police force anymore. And then on top of that, remember who Joseph Rosenbaum was. He was a pedophile. And now we are seeing in this country the adoption of the term MAPS, which is minor attracted person, because the word pedophile has negative connotations to it. The reason it has negative connotations, by the way, is because pedophilia is a negative thing. And now we're seeing stories like this come out from Colorado. State board drops sex offender term, calling it a negative label. So I want us to all understand 
what is currently going on in this country. We are seeing the manipulation of our language. We are seeing the manipulation of the narrative of truth every single day. And I was really thinking about the alternate angle to this because everybody is focused in on Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty, super awesome. And I'm like, yes, that is a great aspect of this. But the angle that I'm looking at this entire verdict at is the fact that we have open support of pedophilia, straight up racism in this country, criminal activity, rapists, like, yeah, rape, like, what the hell's going on? We have an entire subset of our population who is openly advocating for this on top of the entire mainstream media, and I think that that's the bigger issue at hand here, that that's, for some reason, an okay thing. Also, by the way, Ghislaine Maxwell's trial will be starting this week, so keep your eyes on that. She was one of Jeffrey Epstein's most closest confidants, involved in sex trafficking, involved in pedophilia, various crimes with underage girls. We all know who Jeffrey Epstein is and his disgusting and sordid past, his criminal activity, how he just accidentally committed suicide. We'll see what happens with Ghislaine and her trial this week. Do you think that it's going to be as publicly available and broadcasted as Kyle Rittenhouse's was? No. Why is that? Because for some reason, not only do we celebrate pedophiles, but we also protect them. So keep your eye on updates for that trial. Now let's go ahead and move into some of our COVID news because a lot did happen this past weekend and it was great to see worldwide protests erupted with many of them turning violent because people were extremely upset after seeing that in Austria, they're imposing a nationwide lockdown for 20 days for the entire population from Monday. That's this upcoming Monday and makes vaccination mandatory as of February 22nd. So In Austria, they went out and they protested in big numbers for my viewers. As you guys can see, there are thousands and thousands of people in Austria pushing back against this mandate, pushing back against any more lockdowns. They don't want to do it anymore. And that's how Austria responded. In the Netherlands, in various other European countries, uh, their, their protests got a little bit more violent because people are upset and they're angry. And as we make the transition into BLM riots to the riots, if you will, if you want to call them that, because they don't really look like riots to me right now. It looks like anarchy and chaos. Uh, The difference between those two things before we delve into this news is that when Black Lives Matter goes and burns down a city based off of a false narrative and based off of this, this fake world that they're living in, where none of these things are actually happening, when Black Lives Matter takes the opportunity to burn down your neighborhood because of false information versus when people get upset with their government and riot and go crazy because the government continues to push them and back them into a corner. I want you to understand that the stark difference there is that Black Lives Matter is being used as a tool to further delve our country into chaos, into insanity, into racial strife and division. They're not out there rioting and looting in the name of any justice. They're not helping anybody and they're not fighting for anything. They're not fighting for anything. There's no voter suppression for the black community. There's no oppression of black people in this country. It's straight up bullshit. I'm sorry to be very blunt about that, but it is. 
Anybody can make it in this country. I've said that before and I'll say it again. Not everybody starts off on the same foot. I'm fully aware of that. And I understand historically Jim Crow laws, all of these other issues that have happened that have made life harder for minority communities. But how much longer are we going to look to the past and blame the past for the present? At what point are these minority communities finally going to say, okay, we're going to take our future and our destiny into our own hands, and we're not going to allow a corrupt system to continue to push us down anymore? At what point are these minority communities going to stand up and say, okay, we need to change our own lives, and we need to push back against our own government that's doing this to us? No, instead, we're going to go burn down our own communities and also be complicit in the highest abortion rates. Yeah, black children are the ones that are aborted at the highest rate. That community needs to start helping themselves and to start thinking with common sense. Not just the black community, any minority community, any white person as well who thinks that minorities are oppressed in this country. Y'all need to start critically thinking and stop being stupid. So that's the two differences between those things. Black Lives Matter and Antifa, they're not helping anybody and they're not fighting for anything. But the people in Austria, Italy, Croatia, Denmark, the Netherlands that are out here pissed off at their government and pushing back, they're taking back their rights and freedoms and they're fighting for the rights and freedoms of their future children. Black Lives Matter loves to think that's what they're doing. But in reality, all they're doing is making their own lives harder by pushing to defund the police and making these same communities that they say they're trying to uplift and protect more dangerous for the future. Why do you think so many children are shot in Chicago every single weekend? Why do you think that the black-on-black crime rates are never talked about in the media? Because that's where the real problem lies. But nobody wants to discuss that. Now let's get into the COVID news now that we've differentiated that. Just so people can be like, well, I don't get why you would condemn Black Lives Matter. But then if you see a riot where people are pushing back for their rights and freedoms, like how can you how can you not be pro both of them? Like how can you condemn one and then prop up the other? That's so so much hypocrisy. That's how. Okay. Black Lives Matter ain't doing shit for anybody, especially the black community. And let's jump into this news. Again, AP, protests erupt over virus rules in Austria, Italy, and Croatia. Tens of thousands of protesters, many from far-right groups, you gotta love the AP, marched through Vienna on Saturday after the Austrian government announced a nationwide lockdown beginning Monday to contain skyrocketing coronavirus infections. And I would just like to publicly, publicly state right now, let me slow down. Sometimes I get very heated when I'm covering these stories and I stumble over my words. So let me be more coherent when I'm saying this so we can all hear it loud and clear. If marching through your country because corrupted government officials who are trying to and not even adhering to the COVID restrictions that they're um, imposing on their citizens, when those same corrupt politicians aren't even adhering to those same standards and trying to lock their people down again, If marching through your country to push back against that makes you far right, then I guess that I'm far right. And that's what it is. If you are pro-freedom, if you are pro-First Amendment, if you want rights and freedoms in this country and you understand that they're given to you by God and you don't want to be subservient to these corrupt elites who will fly on their private jets and tell you that you need to take shorter showers, that you shouldn't be driving a car because of the carbon emissions and all of this nonsense and blah, 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 all of it's just ridiculous. You can't eat steak. You need to live in a pod. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. These same officials who are trying to lock you down again, same ones that don't even adhere to those standards. If pushing back against that makes me, it makes somebody far right, then I guess we're far right now, my friends. So again, 
demonstrations against the virus happened in Switzerland, Croatia, Italy, Northern Ireland, and the Netherlands after Dutch police opened fire on protesters. Seven people were injured in rioting that erupted in Rotterdam. Lauren Chen brings up the very important point. She says, huge protests in Austria, Australia, France, and Canada, but have any of them amounted to repeals of COVID restrictions? Not trying to be a downer. I'm genuinely looking for signs that the protests are working. And then she, uh, quote, tweeted this over a video of tens of thousands who were in Austria to protest that mandate. And honestly, I don't know if any of these protests have amounted to repeals of COVID restrictions. But the reason why these are important is because it shows the people on the ground that they are not alone. Look at this gigantic group of people protesting against these unconstitutional and restrictive, unscientific lockdown measures. It's ridiculous. Austria about to put their their people back into another lockdown for no reason. There's no science backing this. There's nothing backing this outside of a corrupt government that's hungry for power and will stop at nothing to take that back or to keep it, I would say. So if anything, this is a stark reminder that we're not alone in this and that the majority of people do not want to keep living in this insane world where we all have to adhere to this faulty and ridiculous science that changes every single day. Tens of thousands protested in Belgium because of their tighter COVID-19 rules. In Australia, hundreds of thousands protested in capital cities for freedom. This is a video of Perth. And as you guys can see, hundreds of thousands of people, Australians, finally getting angry. I'm happy to see it. They're really showing up in big numbers. And we've seen these protests worldwide, and they've been going on for such a long period of time. Now, what actually needs to be done to get these COVID restrictions repealed and to get them finally taken away and done with in these countries? I think we all know. I think we all know. And and that's why in the Netherlands, we did see people break out in a riot because people are upset. And I'll show you guys um, some of the Rotterdam imagery here. Uh, You have people in the street. They were lighting fires. We saw the same thing in Belgium. Objects were set on fire. They were propelled at riot police. I saw similar actions to this in Hong Kong when I was reporting on their pro-democracy protests over there. They were throwing bricks at the police because the police were tied to the Chinese Communist Party and they were trying to come in and take away the Hong Kongers' democracies and freedoms. They were trying to take away their right to, to speak out against the Chinese government, to push back. So sometimes you do have to be violent. And if that's an extreme thing to say, well, go and read a history book on any of the past wars that were fought. Do you think that this country was taken over peacefully? No, it wasn't. You think that we we got our independence from the British peacefully? No, they're called wars for a reason. I'm not saying that we should go to war, but I am saying that If these people truly want to break out of these restrictive measures, things do have to be done outside of protest or maybe just nonstop protest every single day, not just on the weekends. And we also saw a big protest in Rome, Italy. 
thousands amongst thousands of people, Rome, Milan. We also saw in Paris, they are continuing their nearly six-month-long protest against government overreach and mandates. The police have since been overwhelmed trying to contain crowds over the weekend. And that is what was happening in Europe, in Australia, in Canada. And again, showing you this footage so we know that we're not alone, so we know that people in these various countries are not alone, because the media refuses to report when hundreds of thousands of protesters take to the streets because they don't like the lockdowns, because they don't like the faulty science, because they know that this is all BS. Nobody talks about that. Now, I'd love to see this type of fire in America, especially since we're seeing headlines like this one and quotes from Dr. Fauci. What we're starting to see now is an uptick in hospitalizations among people who've been vaccinated but not boosted. Dr. Fauci says it's a significant proportion, but not the majority by any means. Let me read that for you guys again so we all understand what Dr. Fauci is saying here. What we're starting to see is an uptick in hospitalizations among people who've been vaccinated but not boosted. And why is Dr. Fauci saying that? Because we all know that fully vaccinated doesn't mean just one shot or two shots. It's now going to mean three, four, five, however many shots, Pfizer or Moderna or the FDA, all of the people who are being paid off and working in collusion together, however many booster shots they decide equals fully vaccinated. Now, I want to read two separate headlines that came out because this just shows you the absolute state of science in America right now. From the New York Post, Fauci says COVID-19 booster might become the new standard for being vaccinated. COVID-19 booster shots may become the new standard to be considered fully vaccinated. According to Dr. Fauci, he discussed the impending need for hundreds of millions of Americans to roll up their sleeves and get the jab during a pre-taped interview that aired at the 2021 STAT Summit in Boston this week. So he says a booster isn't an add-on and a booster is part of what the original regimen should be so that when we look back on this, we're going to see that boosters are essential for an optimal vaccine regime. Regimen, regimen, apologies. I just automatically go to regime because we're lit living under one at this point. Um, so yeah, if you, if you got one vaccine, if you got two vaccines, well, guess what? That's now a part of your daily life. Good luck. And then <laughs> this one actually just came out today. Fauci says fully vaccinated doesn't have to include booster shots. So that's the wishy-washy science that we're experiencing in America. And I don't understand why there are still people in society who are listening to Dr. Fauci at all. Oh, wait, I do. It's because they're willfully ignorant and they're idiots. I was sitting in Chicago in front of a couple who sat down and only took their face masks off to take sips of their drinks or to eat. It was the most pathetic thing that I've ever seen in my life. Because if you just look at this from a common sense approach here, okay? Let's take away all of the science. Let's take away all of the manipulation and the narrative. Point blank. What type of motherfucking mental gymnastics do you have to go through to say, okay, I am going to keep my face mask on until it comes time to put a fork 
in my mouth and open my mouth. So, you know, open it to all of the amoebas in the air. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take my face mask off for that to put a fork that's been used by thousands of other people and exposed to the air into my mouth. But I'm going to put it back on for every other period of my meal. I'm only going to take my face mask off to take a drink out of this glass that's been exposed to the air, also used by tens of thousands of other people who have been at this restaurant before, also exposing me to the air. And then I'm going to put it back on right after. What type of logic? Like, what is that? What is that logic? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I am so tired of living in the same country as these mentally ill people. Because at this point, if you are still willingly wearing a face mask, you are mentally ill. And you shouldn't be wearing one at all. We shouldn't be calling out hypocritical politicians for not wearing a face mask because they shouldn't be wearing one. Great. Take a page from their book. Joe Biden's not wearing a face mask. You shouldn't be either. The entire flight from Dallas to Chicago, I didn't wear a face mask. Nobody said anything to me. Nothing. And I wasn't doing the whole like, oh, I'm drinking something. Oh, I'm eating. No, I just sat there and I didn't put it on my face. And nobody said anything to me. And it was baffling to me because Chicago, a very blue area, nobody was wearing face masks. And it wasn't until we would go to like a liberal place like Starbucks that you had, of course, some LGBTQ member who high and mighty had to come up to me and tell me to put a mask on, to which I respond no. And then I just walk out because I'm not going to give my business to these types of companies. And the reason why, too, I'm calling out the LGBTQ thing is because I have noticed that it is always members of the LGBTQ community or it is people who are overweight and don't actually give a crap about their health that are constantly the ones that are coming up to me and telling me to put a face mask on. And my theory on this is that these are the people who have felt bullied and ostracized their whole lives. And now they feel that they can talk to you from a position of power and tell you to put a face mask on because of the pandemic, because of your health and safety, because I can, and you have to listen to me. No, I don't have to listen to you. And I'm not going to. Please, everybody, start using logic and common sense. If your child is being sent to school and forced to face mask, take your child out of that school. If you go to a restaurant and they tell you to put a face mask on, tell them you're an idiot and you're mentally ill and then walk out. I'm going to start saying that to every single person that tells me to put a face mask on. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm not mentally ill, because I'm not a conspiracy theorist, because I've already gotten COVID and I have natural immunity. Now, why am I so angry about all this wishy-washy science outside of the fact that I've been living in this crazy, insane world that makes absolutely no sense for the past two years? Well, because of articles like this from, as well from Zero Hedge. FDA wants to wait until 2076 to fully release Pfizer vaccine data. The FDA has asked a federal judge to make the public wait until the year 2076 to disclose all of the data and information it relied upon to license Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. That is not a typo. It wants 55 years to produce this information to the public. And because we want to adhere to somewhat journalistic standards here, I will tell you what their excuse was. They say they asked the FDA, um, the FDA asked a federal judge to give them until 2076 to fully produce the information uh, because basically they want to produce 329,000 pages of documents Pfizer provided to the FDA to license its vaccine at the rate of 500 pages per month, which means its production would not be completed earlier than 2076. So apparently, while it can, can conduct that intense review of Pfizer's documents in 108 days, it now takes 
It now asks for over 20,000 days to make these documents available to the public. So uh, that is what is currently going on right now. And basically, lawyers submitted a FOIA request back in August asking for full transparency because the FDA repeatedly promised that to us, full transparency about Pfizer, about this vaccine. And they're like, well, uh, actually, the FDA wants to wait 55 years before giving us any of that data about the COVID vaccine. And that's really interesting to me because, you know, we're continuing to see a lot of these weird discrepancies with people's health, like myocarditis, Bell's palsy, uh, extremely healthy athletes. A hockey player recently just collapsed on the ice and died of cardiac arrest. We're seeing soccer players collapsing on the field. We're seeing young children being diagnosed with heart attack-like symptoms. We're seeing women who have never gotten or who haven't gotten their period, getting them back for the first time in years or... Yeah, very, very weird and different things happening with women's menstrual cycles, a lot of weird things happening, but we're not allowed to question that. And guess what? Now the FDA wants to wait 55 years to show you guys what's going to happen and, and the, the results of this vaccine. Doesn't seem very safe to me, but I don't know. I guess I'm just crazy. Also, the FDA produced uh, its first 91 pages of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine documents, and it revealed that Pfizer, after just two and a half months of vaccine use, received 25,957 reports of nervous system disorders, only 54 years, 11 months to go for the remaining pages. And that comes from uh, Aaron Siri's Substack. He goes into those documents because the FDA has... Um, produced some of the Pfizer's vaccine documents. And I did read this for myself. I'll link this down below as well. But again, over 25,000, almost 26,000 reports of nervous system disorders after just two and a half months of vaccine use. On top of that, I found this new website called The COVID World. And they basically write articles about young kids who are dying after getting the COVID vaccine. For example, Cheyenne Braun, a 15-year-old girl, died three weeks after receiving the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. An investigation is being launched. She was from Germany. Now, the most sinister part of this is that below every single story, it says the death of the 15-year-old comes several weeks after a 12-year-old boy died. And then you click into that one, and then it says 12-year-old child in Germany dies two days after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. And then you get down to the bottom of this story. And then it says this tragic death comes only a few days after news that a 12-year-old girl in Thailand experienced severe effects after getting the COVID vaccine. 12-year-old girl fighting for her life in ICU after heart problems caused by the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. But everyone remember to just keep sitting down and taking it. Also, don't forget to get your booster shots as well. Um, we, we're not going to know the side effects for 55 more years, so it's better not to question it. And if you want to get back to your normal life, to just keep taking boosters forever, because if you already got one vaccine, that is your normal life now. Congratulations. Now, it's not all bad in this country, and we are seeing positive moves in the right direction. For example, um, Disney World is halting its employee COVID vaccine mandate after R Ron DeSantis banned the vaccine mandates. 
Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, has paused its COVID-19 vaccine requirement for employees and cast members just a few days after Governor Ron DeSantis signed a law that prohibited vaccine mandates by employers. And it isn't just Disney World. Also, Ascension St. Vincent's Hospital is allowing unvaccinated workers to remain employed. Uh, In July, the Ascension Health System announced all employees would need to be vaccinated by November 12th. But, of course, they are now allowing employees who are not vaccinated to continue working regardless regardless of their vaccination status. So uh, this change in policy comes as employee vaccine mandates had two significant setbacks in Florida. Recently, again, a judge ordering a stay on President Joe Biden's vaccine mandates for workplaces with over 100 employees. OSHA since suspended that policy and Ron DeSantis signing that bill passed during the Florida special legislative session, preventing workplaces to require employees from being vaccinated without allowing people to obtain an exemption for health or religious reasons. So big ups to Ron DeSantis. And again, when people ask, oh, why don't you like uh, Greg Abbott? Why do you think that Greg Abbott's a bad governor? This is why. Because look at what Ron DeSantis is doing for, for Florida and for Floridians. He is not allowing them to lose their livelihoods, to lose the ability to pay their bills, because of these unconstitutional mandates. He's standing up for his citizens. He's standing up for his rights. What is Greg Abbott doing? Nothing. Where is the same rule for, from Greg Abbott? I haven't seen one. I don't know. Maybe he has, and I didn't see it. If he has, please let me know down below, and I will correct myself. But as far as I've seen, Ron DeSantis has been very hardcore about this. He said that he wasn't going to bend the knee or capitulate to Joe Biden and his nonsense with the mandates. And he hasn't. And look at what is happening to these companies now. They say, okay, well, now we can't require our employees to be vaccinated. And now the employees don't have to lose their jobs. So that's just a great example of how effective politicians can be if they actually care about their constituents. But we all know that's few and far between. Now, let's delve into China and Russia news. Okay, we like to look at China quite a bit because they're another uh, world power that we could perceive as a threat to the United States as well as Russia, if you will. These are two countries who historically have tried to come in and undermine the U.S. or take over in some way, China especially. And I'm seeing many headlines lately, like this one from Politico, that says, The U.S. is not as advanced as China and Russia on hypersonic tech. Space Force General warns, while the Pentagon has pushed the development of new hypersonic missiles, the Army isn't slated to field its first missile until 2024. Well, it's a good thing that the Pentagon and all of our intelligence agencies and our military are more worried about LGBTQ issues and inclusivity, isn't it? Yeah, we're not as advanced as China and Russia, are we? From AP News, U.S. seeks balance as fears grow that Russia may invade Ukraine. On top of Russia potentially invading Ukraine, we also have seen that China already took over Hong Kong. They're encroaching in on Taiwan. And Joe Biden last week said that they are adhering to that China first policy. So if China wants to go in and take over Taiwan, well, the U.S. isn't going to do anything. Now, I actually am a very America first um, in my like foreign policy, I would say. So it's sad to see what's happening to Taiwan. And I was extremely sad to see what was happening with uh, Hong Kong. But as I have grown in my political beliefs, I'm like, okay, well, it is sad, but what can we do for Taiwan? That isn't our war to fight. And, um, you know, if you look at, I think geographically where Taiwan is, um, 
China was basically saying that they didn't want the U.S. there because it could be a strategic point for the U.S. to be at. And that's why China is trying to go in and take it over. So I don't know, maybe I'll get somebody on the show sometime to talk about uh, geographically why the U.S. should be positioned in specific areas. But as far as I'm concerned, I think that we should be focusing on our country right now and the fact that we are currently being destroyed from within. So I guess there's really nothing we can do right now. But anyway, that's what's currently going on with uh, Russia and China. They're growing in power. They're growing in strength. And also remember who China is. I was uh, talking about this. I didn't go too in depth with it last week. But Chinese tennis star Peng Shui hasn't been seen for 16 days and counting after she accused a CCP leader of sexual assault. And this was 16 days as of November 18th of 2021. Well, the latest, because people were making so much noise about Peng Shui, they were asking where this tennis player was, why they hadn't heard from her. Did she Was she disappeared like all these Chinese billionaires or any of these Chinese citizens who speak out against the government? Where did she go? Well, she since made a reappearance today. And from Chinese state-affiliated media, they tweeted out from their official account saying, can any girl fake such a sunny, sunny smile under pressure? Those who suspect Peng Shui is under duress, how dark they must be inside. There must be many, many forced political performances in their country. And then they show a video of her looking very happy and excited and surrounded by all of these smiling children. Looks very much staged to me. And of course, this video came out only after people started saying, hey, where did she go? She spoke out against the CCP and nobody has heard anything from her. I believe the um, council, one of the councils for the Olympics reached out to her. They did a video call with her as well. But it's very interesting to me to see the Chinese state affiliated media putting this out and saying, oh, how dark you must be inside. If you question if China would ever disappear somebody for speaking out against the government, we would never do that. Uh, Tahir Ugurian, I completely butchered his name, my apologies, but he's basically a Uyghur rights act advocate, says it's really confusing that Peng Shui is playing with the international community to get attention or CCP is forcing her to do so. Look at her act as if nothing happened. She can insist not to show up until she can see free media. It is chilling to see that they can collaborate very well. So as somebody who has monitored uh, Chinese media and what the Chinese have done to various people and the Uyghurs, uh, this gentleman here, this advocate is saying that it's very interesting to see why she's acting this way. I would truly speculate that she is being threatened by the government and this was and act. And I only say that because this has happened to several other Chinese billionaires. These billionaires get disappeared or millionaires. If you're too successful in China, they see it as a threat and then they disappear you. And then you show up like 20 days later, happy as a clam on TV. And you're like, I love China. I love the Chinese. I would never speak ill of Xi Jinping or the Chinese government. Thank you. They're great. I, I'm very successful because of China. Thank you. Yeah. China does that a lot. So just a reminder of who China is, just a reminder that Russia is growing in power as well. I don't even know if Russia is necessarily a threat to us um, back in the day, definitely. But as of now, I don't see them as a perceived threat. Maybe we'll get somebody on to talk about that as well, because I'm not as versed in Russian and U.S. Uh, political ties outside of Russian collusion, which we all know was completely fake and made up by the media. Going back to China, though, new 
ties to China and Hunter Biden, per the Daily Mail. Hunter Biden's private equity firm helped Chinese conglomerate buy American-owned cobalt mine in $3.8 billion deal. Purchase helped China company gain world's largest deposit of precious metal used to make batteries for electric vehicles. Hunter Biden's investment firm partnered with a Chinese company to buy the world's largest cobalt mine from an American company back in 2016. Biden was one of three Americans who founded the BHR private equity firm with Chinese partners in 2013. And then it goes on to say that the $3.8 billion deal helped secure China's dominance over the previous metal, which is one of the key components of the batteries used for electric vehicles. Earlier this year, Biden had warned that America's electric car development could be threatened by China's control over cobalt. So great. Joe Biden's warning us over that. Meanwhile, it was his son that helped this Chinese conglomerate uh, buy that American-owned cobalt mine in a $3.8 billion deal. Just Further example of how Hunter Biden is tied to China, is tied to all of these people who should be our enemies. A further reminder as well that Hunter Biden's art dealer said that he wanted to be the lead guy in China back in 2015. And that art dealer is George Burgess, who is representing Hunter Biden again as he ventures into the art world. Don't forget that Hunter Biden is selling those ugly ass pieces for what? Upwards of $500,000. And those buyers are to remain anonymous. We're not allowed to know who they are. Yeah, sure. Hunter Biden has shady dealings with uh, China and Ukraine. And yeah, they talked about, you know, taking a percentage off the top for the big guy with all these shady dealings. But uh, that's not Joe Biden. We can't look at Hunter Biden for that or his weird laptop that was filled with like pedophilic images. Please completely ignore that. It's really not that relevant. He's only the president's son. Okay, guys, there's no worries about for an influence with this presidency. There's no worry about Joe Biden capitulating to the Chinese and bending the knee and selling out our entire country. This isn't all done by design and we should all continue to look the other way. What we should be focused in on is the fact that here in our country, we're just thriving. For example, last week, like I said at the start of the show, Biden transferred the power of the presidency to VP Kamala Harris for 85 minutes during a colonoscopy. Good job to Kamala Harris. The only time a woman was able to get the power of the presidency was via Joe Biden's ass. Very sad. Hopefully women can uh, shoot higher and do better. How else is America doing? Well, speaking of Kamala, uh, apparently her communications director left in aftermath of reported Biden rift, Vice President Kamala Harris's communication director is leaving her post as the Veep's office and White House battle tanking poll numbers and leaks detailing frustration among Harris's allies continue to mount. So Kamala Harris can't even keep employees because she's so awful and nobody wants to work between her and Joe Biden's petty disputes in the White House. I'm so glad that we have uh, the adults back in charge. You know, they're fighting over who... Who should have more power if Kamala is being respected enough as a black woman? Meanwhile, our adversaries continue to grow in strength every single day. All right, y'all. Well, that's all I've got for you today on this episode. We went through a lot. Our shows are getting longer and longer because the news never stops. You know, it really doesn't. And I try to get to as much of it as possible on our shows. So thank you so much for sticking with me. My name is Savannah Hernandez. Also, again, if you like the show, please remember I talk about a lot of off-limits topics here on YouTube. And so oftentimes, 
My streams get taken down. If they do, you can always find this show via podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Please go leave a five-star review if you like the show. Also remember to go to SavSaysOfficial.com. You can always find all of my videos on there, a lot of my YouTube videos and a lot of my past work since deleted from this channel, but you can still find them on SavSaysOfficial.com. Also, SavSays.Locals.com. You can... Uh, find exclusive content from me there. I talk a lot about my thoughts and feelings on various topics, a lot more in depth. Uh, I do a lot of subscriber only uh, live streams and posts about my thoughts and feelings on various topics. So uh, that's all I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.